thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Man, it is good to be here, isn't it? If you're excited to be here, say amen. All right. I know you are, and I am too. Um, it's been an interesting week. I was. It's been a. It's been an interesting week for me personally. It's been an interesting week um, for us as a church family in a lot of different ways. Um, we have this morning. I'm, I'm kind of getting situated here. This morning, as I was kind of getting up and and working on uh, finishing up a few things this morning and getting some things in order um, for for the day. Uh, I couldn't help but think about uh, the song God's Family. It's 744 in your book, if you want to look at it. We're, gonna, we're not going to sing it, but we're going to look at it here in just a moment. But I, I, was, I was thinking about the, the week um, that we've had. Uh, it's been a week where um, we've had some excitement. We, we've had, uh, over the weekend, we had a, a great young adult uh, ministry group that went and was able to uh, spend some time together. Uh, there was a youth group activity yesterday. Uh, we've had um, uh, individuals that have had professional success uh, with Dylan uh, and, and his team uh, winning the area this weekend. We have had babies born, and uh, that's been a great and exciting thing. We've also had, uh, we've also said goodbye to people that we love. We've had death in our church family this week, and uh, so it's been kind of the gauntlet of, of what it means to be part of a family this week. And, and the words from this song, this is one of my favorite songs. Um, it's, it's become an older song to many, although it was only written in 1974. And that's really not that old of a song when you think about how old some of the songs are that we sing. But just listen to the words of this song. We're part of a family that's been born again. Part of a family whose love knows no end. For Jesus has saved us and made us his own. Now we're part of a family that's on its way home. When a brother meets sorrow, we all feel his grief. When he passes through the valley, we all feel relief. Together in sunshine, together in rain, together in victory through his precious name. And though some go before us, we'll all meet again just inside the city as we enter in. There'll be no more parting with Jesus. We'll be together forever, God's family. And then the refrain of this song is that we're so familiar with. And sometimes we laugh together, and sometimes we cry. Sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family. Those are just some amazing words, and I think describe where our church family has been this week, and then as we have gone through the valleys and, and, and the mountaintop experiences together this week, it's even more amazing to me that now we get to experience those things individually, but then bring them together in the presence of God. And if we're hurting this morning, God says, I'm here with you. I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to wrap my arms around you. I've put you in the middle of this family 
so that you can feel and get what you need in this moment. And then if you've had the laughter and the excitement this week, he's saying you're now here in this family, share that laughter and excitement with everybody else. And it is just wonderful to be here with you. And I hope that you understand those things and feel the same way this morning. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to study together for a little bit. God, we thank you. We just thank you for being the Almighty this morning. We thank you for being our our God, our Father. We thank you for Jesus and his willingness to be our sacrifice. We are grateful for the Holy Spirit and his role as being our comforter and our counselor, God. We're grateful for our family today, for the unity that we find in each other. We're so grateful for that, God. And be with us now as we open your word. Help us to open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our souls, open up our spirits to what you want us to know and hear today. We just thank you for the words of Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, hold them up this morning. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. Then take them and turn them back open to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, we're in this series called, He Said What? And we were just kind of trying to think of a creative a creative thing um, to call this series, just to kind of catch your attention a little bit. But one of the things that happens in conversation with people and during, and this happened to us several times as we were gone this weekend, that you're sitting at one end of the table and, and you get just a snippet of a conversation at the other end of the table and you're not really sure what was said and your reaction is, they said what? Have you ever had that moment and then you think you hear something that wasn't said and you get the whole story, maybe it's worse than what you thought it was, I don't know, sometimes. And, you know, we have these moments where we hear things and we're like, now, wait a second, stop, that makes me think, that makes me kind of... And I think with Jesus, when Jesus spoke, because of the things that Jesus said and because of the things that Jesus was teaching, there were a lot of people that stopped and said, what? I've always heard this. But now this guy is, 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 is teaching it this way. You see, Jesus was in an environment where it was, in a lot of ways, religion had become about the process, getting everything right and in order. And it was an absence of heart, desire, and devotion in many ways. And as you read the Sermon on the Mount and you read through the Beatitudes and different things and, and the things that he tackles in that sermon, you really get that, that he's saying, you've always heard this, and some of them were things of the law, but he says, but I'm telling you that if you miss this part of it, then you've missed the whole thing. And so we're taking some of these things that Jesus said, and I want you to know this morning that if you miss the heart of what Jesus says, you can do all the things right. You can have them all in order, but if you miss the heart, if you miss what Jesus says, what he really wants out of us, then you've missed the whole thing. And so today, I want us to look at a story that you may think, well, what does, what does this have to do with me? But there's a, there's a phrase, and Wiley has been singing about this phrase all morning long, 
And I hope you'll catch it when we, when we get there. But we're going to focus in on some things about this story of Jesus and a man with leprosy. That's, that's what it's called in my Bible. So let's, let's look at it together. So he starts, A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him, If you will, can you make me clean? Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anybody, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But when he went out and began, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's just kind of back up to our, our key phrase. We'll stay right there. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. You know, we've got this story here. We've got this situation. We've got this, this thing going on here with this guy that comes to Jesus. And what does he have? He has the disease of leprosy. And leprosy is one of those things that, that we, really don't, um, we really don't understand because it's not something that we deal with, is it? It's not something that we deal with. It's not something that not every Sunday you get up and you're like, well, good morning, everybody. Let's go through the leprosy list today. You know, that's just not something that's in our culture. It still exists in the world, but it's not something as Americans that we have to deal with. I, I was thinking this morning, like, what is something that... Um, what is something that we can relate to? And unfortunately, unfortunately, one of the things that we can relate to in this idea of how leprosy affected maybe society is the COVID stuff that we're in right now. Because once you are diagnosed with COVID, who wants to be around you? Nobody. Nobody. You don't have anybody that walk. I mean, you walk down an aisle nowadays in Walmart and cough, and you'll clear the whole aisle. You know, everybody's like, I ain't, you got COVID. I'm saying, when, when Jonathan, I didn't realize, where's Jonathan? Jonathan has asthma. And like, he had been here not too long, but he starts like hot coughing and hacking one day. And I'm like, dude, go home. He's like, it's my asthma. I'm like, no, go home. He's like, I promise, it's my asthma. The seasons were changing. Like he was trying to adjust. To, and it's like, I don't care what you say it is. I know what it is and I don't want it. And it was just an asthma flare up. But, but we, 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 we get that. So, so when you had leprosy, when you had leprosy, this is kind of what you were, if you go to Leviticus, I should have stayed where it was. Leviticus chapter 13 is a whole chapter in the old law dealing with leprosy and what has to happen. But this is the point that I really want you to... Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, some says shaved, cover the lower parts of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside of the camp. So this disease not only affected them personally, 
but it affected them socially. In many ways, it would affect them spiritually. It separated them from everybody that they loved and everything that they wanted to be about. Now, as you go, if you, as you back up into chapter 13 there, it shows different ways you could go to the priest and be, be deemed clean. Uh, but leprosy was kind of one of those things. Once you got leprosy, guess what you had? Leprosy. You just had it. And so these stories of Jesus healing lepers are really unique and really powerful. Um, So this guy comes to Jesus, and if he's truly got leprosy, everybody in the area, when he shows up to Jesus, knows he has it. Why? Because he's dressed like a guy who has leprosy. He looks like a guy who has leprosy, and no one wants to have anything to do with him. And But he has one thing. Like I don't know what all he had tried to get rid of his leprosy, but he had obviously heard about Jesus, and he, he, he knew that Jesus was special, and Jesus could do something. So he comes to Jesus, and, and, and he asked him a really interesting question. He falls down on his knees in front of Jesus. Let me ask you, how many of you have been on your knees lately in front of Jesus? How many of you? How many of you had like really just got like just, do you know how hard it is to get down on your knees and pray? It's, it's not the most comfortable thing. But what does is, what is getting down on your knees in front of Jesus show? And it shows humility, doesn't it? It shows that I'm, I'm exalting you above myself. And he looks at Jesus and he says, if you are willing, can you make me clean? I want to ask you a question this morning. And it's something that you really need to, to search within yourself before you answer it. And that is this. Do you come before Jesus this morning clean or unclean? Do you come before Jesus this morning clean or unclean? We talked about this verse last week. And I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite verses because it fits so many situations. So as Paul's writing the church in Corinth, he's got a bunch of people, he's got a bunch of people that are assuming they are just clean people. And they're rocking along in their life and they're just like, oh, I've got this gift and I've got this gift. And their main concern was I'm better than you. There's this issue of like, of like rich and poor going on and you've got these rich people like, hey, you know, we're enjoying life this way in Christ and these poor people are getting left out. But they're like, they don't care. Like they're not thinking about that. They're just worried about themselves. And so he comes in in this writing and says, don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the, neither, neither the sexually immoral or idolaters, nor adulterers or men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers who inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but it's easy to look at this list and go, my sin's not on that list. I'm not any of those things. But boy, he really catches us with that phrase, wrongdoers. We're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. My question is, when you come before God this morning, does this list describe you? Because he says, and that's what some of you were. And we're going to get to this last part here in a minute, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Going to Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is what? Say that with me. For the wages of sin is 
death. We don't like that, do we? One of the things that we do not like in our world and our society is black and white, okay? What we like and what we enjoy is you do it your way and I'm going to do it my way and you be happy and I'm going to be happy and hey, y'all go do your thing over here. And then, but, but God comes in, Jesus comes in, the word of God comes in and says, look, there are two ways to live. You either live clean before God or you live unclean before God. And if you choose to live unclean, the cost of that is what? Death. We live in a society that does not enjoy consequences, don't we? They, they don't enjoy consequences. Jake, you enjoy consequences? No. Brant, you enjoy consequences? Anybody enjoy consequences to getting in trouble? But the gift of God is, say it, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he says, look, this morning, you've got one of two options. You've got this wrongdoer, unclean, live this way where it's death. And here's what I want you to really get this morning is you, I think you know that. I think you know that because you're here. God doesn't make you show up. God's not forcing you to be here. Unless you're 10 and your mom and dad says to get here. No one's forcing you to be here this morning, are they? So you got to make up your mind. Which, which way are you living? Are you living as clean or unclean before God? That's a soul-searching question. Well, that's what this guy had to do. This guy had to realize, I've got to make up my mind. Am I clean or am I unclean? And what we're guilty of sometimes is doing this. I've got my problems. Man, they're not as bad as Gary's. And as long as I'm not as bad as Gary, I'm okay. And then Gary looks around and he goes, well, I might have problems. But they're not as bad as Jonathan's. And, and, and we begin to rank ourselves. And as long as we're not like the worst of the worst, you know, okay, well, my, my sin's bad, but it's not that bad. But you're still unclean before God. We can't get in this habit of judging ourselves next to each other. We have to make sure to judge ourselves by God's standards. And we're going to get to that too here in just a minute. So, but that, all this leads me to my second question. My second question for you this morning is this. Will you seek out Jesus? Will you seek out Jesus in your life? So this leper, this leper was, was living on the outskirts of everything. He was living away from everything, probably in a leper colony. And he had probably got, he, he, there's no social media that says, hey, Jesus is going to be here tomorrow at 3.30. Like the event, share the event, you know, register the event. There's no like ticket thing that you've got to get and show up with. Like, it's like, hey, I heard Jesus is going to be here or I heard Jesus is going to be here. And then you've got to try to figure out how to walk and get there. And this guy's not allowed around people. So he's got to be kind of more inconspicuous to get to where he needs to get. He had to put forth effort. He had to put forth effort to get there. We read this verse all the time. Seek first the what? The kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That word seek is a word of intense and great effort. Of intense and great effort. Wives, can I ask you to be honest for a second? Do your husbands know how to seek something that they've lost 
Or do they just look for it? There's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference. I've, I've been guilty of that. I've looked for something, but I've not really seeked it. I guess sought after it would be not really good at seeking. My wife, she's a seeker. If I can't find it, I know she can. And it usually doesn't take a whole lot more effort than what I've put forth, but are you here this morning truly seeking Jesus? Jesus comes and says, I want you. I want you to be here. I want you to be part of this. And I, I was having a conversation with Andrea Oliver last Sunday night. <clears throat> she was telling me a sermon idea that she had had. And Andrea, this is all kind of part of that whole idea, but, but she made this comment. She said, if you miss this, you've missed it all. If, if you miss seeking Jesus, if you miss making him the thing in your life, you've missed everything. We're having a conversation upstairs in our young adult class about marriage. In our first two classes through this uh, stuff that we're working through, the first chapter is this, marriage isn't that great. And that's a great first chapter for a marriage book. Marriage isn't that great. And, and the whole concept of the first two chapters is this, that marriage is a good thing, but your relationship with your spouse is never going to be as important as your relationship with God. And so we had this conversation this morning, and it was really a good conversation, and it centered around the idea of what does a marriage look like that just wants to look like a good marriage? And what does a marriage look like that wants to be centered and focused on God? And they're two different things in many ways. If you miss God, you miss everything else. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's start at ground level here this morning. Maybe you've come this morning and you're seeking God. You've never been a part of the family. You realize that you're unclean. And you're like, what do I do to be cleansed this morning? I'm going to start you with the words of Jesus. Maybe. Oh, there we go. Mark chapter 16. These are Jesus' words here. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus says, if you want me to cleanse you now, believe in me and be baptized. Peter echoes these words in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 39. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? The forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of who? The Holy Spirit. And those are two very important things. Two very important things. We cannot be saved without Jesus. We cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. Then he says, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord God will call. So he's not just talking about those people there. He's saying, this is for us. This is our road to salvation. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. One of my favorites, 1 Peter 3, 19 through 21. And I'll tell you why it's one of my favorites here in just a minute. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built in it, a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. 
And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of who? Say that louder. Jesus Christ. I like this passage because I just, I just read off a bunch of scripture about baptism. And there's going to be some of you here this morning who, who your journey through Christ has been different than my journey through Christ, and you've been taught one thing about salvation, and I, and I have been taught and teach a different thing about salvation. Some people think that baptism is absolutely essential. Some people don't. And through the Holy Spirit, I feel like, through the Holy Spirit, I believe this was here for this very conversation. Because this passage says water, or rather baptism, saves us. But he goes on, he said, it's not just the removal of dirt from the body. Baptism's not just about getting wet. And we make it about that sometimes. Just, just get wet and you're saved. He goes, no, it's also about what? A pledge of a clear conscience towards God. Some people say, all I got to do is make this pledge. Some people say, all I got to do is be baptized. Peter writes to the Holy Spirit, you got to do both. There's no middle ground. Your baptism saves you, but it only saves you as if in your heart you say, God, I'm giving it to you this morning. I don't know where you are in your journey, but my question is this. If, if, you've, never, if you've never been saved, if you're seeking God and you're saying, hey, I'm trying to figure out what I need to do, what that next step needs to be, to be cleansed, that next step is here, baptism and pledging your life to God. Remember Romans? The wages of sin is what? Is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we get that gift of God and eternal life through this moment of baptism. We're going to come to this back here in just a moment. With those things in mind, here's my, my final question to you this morning. Will you allow God to change you? Will you allow God to change you? More so, will you allow being clean to change you? So in our story, I love what happens in our story. This guy comes to Jesus and he says, hey, if you'll cleanse me, will you? Will you cleanse me? And Jesus' words are, I will cleanse you. And he just looks at him and he says, hey, be cleansed. And in that moment, I have no doubt, cleansing happened. And then he gives him this funny charge. He gives him this funny charge. He says, hey, don't, don't, don't tell anybody about what I've done. Jesus is still early in his ministry and he's trying not to draw unneeded attention, unneeded attention that hinders him from doing what he needs to do. He's okay with positive attention, but unneeded attention. He says, you just go to the temple and do what you need to do to be deemed clean. But what does this guy do? Look back in our text together if you've got it. Um, verse 45, instead, and I kind of feel like I understand Jesus a little bit in this moment because I've got kids. How many times have you told your kids to do one thing and then what they do begins with instead, they go and do something else? Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. What did he do? He let Jesus change him. And then he went out and told people about it. He let Jesus change him, and then he went out and told people about it. You know, one of the things, though, that I worry about in our lives one of the things that I worry about in our lives is that we get cleansed, but we don't change. 
We get cleansed, but we don't change. We still want to live the life of the flesh. We don't want to live the life of the spirit. I want salvation, but I want it as a security deposit. I want it as, um, I want it as insurance so that if, my, if I get myself in trouble, oh, I've got God over here with me. You know what? Hey, I can jump back over here, get this forgiveness again, and then I'm going to go live my life. I've got God in my life, but God's not part of my life. This guy goes, hey, I've been cleansed. Now I'm going to go, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. I'm going to be all about about Jesus. And that's one of the cool things I see in scripture is that people who meet Jesus, their life changes. So if you've been cleansed this morning, has your life changed? At the end of Philippians, Paul writes this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, say these last words with me. Think about such things. Why is this important? Well, let's, let's back all the way up here. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. That's what some of you were, but you were washed. And then look at this. You were sanctified. You were sanctified. You were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made pure. And here's the challenge for us in this walk, that once we're clean, we need to stay clean. We need to stay clean. We need to stay at that level of sanctification and not dip back down into the world. Are we going to struggle? Are we going to have moments where we sin? Yes, absolutely. But we need to make it our mission to once we've been cleansed, to stay in that direction, to live that life of sanctification, of holiness. That's what we've been called to do. Otherwise, we look at God and go, I appreciate it. I thank you for the moment, but I'm going to do my own thing again. How awful would that be? How awful would it be if you had leprosy and then you were cleansed by Jesus and then you got leprosy again? How bummed out would you be? That's what happens when we say, Jesus, will you cleanse me? Will you cleanse me? I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to have my sins washed away. I'm going to be forgiven of these things. I'm going to have the Holy Spirit in me. And now I'm going to go, okay, but now I'm going to keep doing my thing. Appreciate it. Are you cleansed this morning? Are you willing to seek Jesus? And will you allow being clean to change you? It's a lot to think about. Jesus said two little words, be clean. We have two words that are similar called you're saved. Same kind of concept. What are you doing with that salvation? Do you really appreciate it? Are you glad that you have it? Are you using it here and thinking about such things? Do these things define your life? Or are you still struggling with those things in 1 Corinthians that you're not going to inherit anything on this side? You know, sometimes we have to do some soul searching. Sometimes we have to do some thinking about our lives that we don't want to do. But it's important to come before God and kneel before him and have humility in our relationship with him and, and, and look at our own life and say, hey, I need to fix this. I'm tired of walking with it. I'm, 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 I've, I was cleaned and now I'm not because I brought this back into my life. Or, hey, it's time for me just to be cleansed and be right before God altogether. So those are our words this morning. Be clean. Let's close 
with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for allowing us in your presence this morning. We thank you for what it means to have your spirit fill our lives. We thank you for a savior, your son, who says, I'm gonna go down there for them and I'm gonna suffer and I'm gonna endure the cross and I'm gonna die so that I can be raised and give us hope. God, I appreciate that. And I hope every one of us in this room has this great, true appreciation for the awesomeness of who and what you are. God, being clean is an amazing feeling. Nothing feels greater than that initial cleansing that we get from you through the waters of baptism, through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the resurrection, God. But help us to not get used to being clean. Help us to strive for holiness and sanctification every day. God, I pray for those in this room that need you in that relationship of salvation, that have never had that cleansing, that have never had your spirit fill them the way that you say it will as your children. I pray that you convict them, that you soften their hearts, that you touch them this morning, God, and bring them to that realization that they need you in this way. As we've said, if they miss that, they miss it all, God. Help them to realize that this morning. Help them to make that decision. For us that have made that decision, God, help us to not get comfortable. Help us to not get used to it. Help us to stay diligent and intentional in walking in the light with you. We thank you for our cleansing, God. We pray that we live a life of continual renewal in your presence. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.